Amen. Let's take our Bibles tonight as we, uh, let's take our Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy tonight to begin with, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to look at just a couple of verses here. Uh, we're in our Back to God series and um, we've been addressing a number of issues. Uh, we've talked about getting back to the Bible, back to prayer, back to soul winning, back to discipline, all of those things and I'm sure a few more maybe even. And tonight we want to get started on a topic that is in many cases has often been misunderstood as well. Back to separation. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today in general and just kind of get an idea of where the Bible is on some of these issues. And again, we uh, live in a day and an age where we got to get back to some things. And we've kind of strayed. We've kind of gone uh, our own direction, our own ways, and it's time to get back to some things. And so tonight we're going to start and uh, address this issue beginning tonight, and who knows how long that'll go. Now, of course, next week... We uh, will be having our afternoon service at 3 o'clock. We will not be addressing these, this issue at all. We'll have just a separate uh, uh, preacher, and, and we'll get that going. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm not planning on preaching next uh, Sunday at 3 o'clock, okay? So we have a, a guest for you next Sunday, and so we're looking forward to that. And, um, and then, of course, we have um, uh, the morning service at 11, of course, I will be preaching at. And uh, so we're not going to be touching this topic for a couple of weeks And uh, so let's just go ahead and kind of introduce it tonight and kind of set the groundwork, lay a foundation, and then we'll go from there, okay? So uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 19, notice what the Bible says. It says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now, again, the passage is pretty clear. I like the passage. It's one of my favorite passages. Uh, just that, that, that verse, verse 19. I like that part where it says, The Lord knoweth them that are His. I wonder, does the Lord know you tonight? You know, isn't that good? I mean, that's good stuff right there. Then he goes on to say, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Well, I'll tell you what, you start talking about separation, sounds to me like we have a responsibility then, if we're going to be a tool in God's hands, to come apart from some things. And boy, I'll tell you, he talks about being sanctified or separated unto God and under the work of God. And we see that here in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Very important truth in the word of God that the believer obviously has to be distinct and different in that regard. Now in Acts chapter 11 verse 26, turn there if you would please, we notice a passage that's very interesting as well. And it's a very foundational passage in the word of God. It helps us tremendously to understand uh, the, 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 the church and maybe even kind of get a grasp on the purpose of the church to some degree or another. But notice what it says in Acts eleven twenty six. Again, we uh, talk about being a Christian tonight, you know. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? And, and when we ask the question, what we're really saying is, has there been a time and a place when you've received and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into your life? Have you adopted him as your Lord and Savior, so to speak, and, and allowed him to become your Lord and Savior? Are you a Christian now? Well, notice what it says in Acts eleven twenty six. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that uh, that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church. Now, we have Paul here being taken to 
this church. And it says, and uh, it goes on to say, and they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples, the followers of Christ, were first called Christians. Notice, called Christians first in Antioch. The first place that they're called Christians was in Antioch. Now again, they're disciples. A disciple is a follower of Christ, following the Lord Jesus. Here in this particular passage, it says, these followers of Christ were so distinct, so different, so unusual, that they were called Christians, which means little Christ. Isn't that amazing? And so we go to Antioch and we say, here, they're in Antioch, not in Jerusalem, mind you, in Antioch. They're called Christians first there. That's where the term came. That's where they were first tied to, acknowledged with, or, 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 or com- considered little Christ. But I'll tell you what, I wonder about your workplace. I wonder about school, maybe uh, even in your home. I wonder if people say, oh, there goes that little Christ. There he is. There she is. Acting just like Jesus. Looks like Jesus, acts like Jesus, talks like Jesus, thinks like Jesus. Little Christ. Because that's basically what was transpiring and taking place in Antioch. They were so conformed to Jesus and so unconformed to the world. (laughs) And they looked so much like Jesus in that regard that they said, boy, these are Christians. Called Christians. First in Antioch. And so we're discussing separation. We think about separation, and there's a couple of things that separation does for the believer. Let me just give you a couple very quickly. Here they are real quick. Separation identifies us with God and as God's people. Not only that, but separation insulates us from the world. It's very helpful to be separated. It's a good thing to be separated. It's not a bad thing. You know, sometimes we get the idea when we start talking about separation, it's a negative Because somehow we're saying, well, what you're saying is, is that I can't be like the world. Well, as a Christian, you shouldn't want to be. So we don't need to really discuss that. That's not even an issue. I mean, if it is an issue, then it's something that, boy, you you better get handled with him. Your your problem's not with me or with the church. It's with him. But but the fact is, is that is that separation is a positive thing. Not only does it identify us with Christ, not only does it identify us with a body of believers in that regard, but boy, I tell you what, it insulates us from the world itself and from, from the, 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 the debauchery and the sin and the degradation of the world. We cause, it ca- causes us to come apart from the world and to Christ. And as a result, we don't have to endure and deal with the consequences of sin that the world does. Not only that, but separation just ensures distinction. I mean, we've already touched on it. It identifies us with God. Why? Because we're distinct. We're different. And basically, when we think about separation, when we read about separation in the Bible, we're really discussing and dealing with distinction. And so separation ensures distinction between the world and those in Christ Jesus. Now, there should be a noticeable or distinguishable difference between those that are the children of the Lord Jesus and the children the Bible calls of wrath. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2, would you? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. We'll be going to quite a bit of scripture as we move along here, as we lay the foundation for some things. Sometimes, you know, separation gets a bad rap, you know. You know, say a church uh, is, is, uh, thinks that separation is important, that it's, it's important, say, that the Sunday school teachers, you know, 
live a certain type of life outside the church, that their, their character and their Christian testimony is, is a certain level, that it should be, you know, without, uh, you know, indictment, so to speak, by the world. And, and people say, well, that's really none of your business. We, people should be able to live however they want. They come to church, they want to teach, they should be allowed to teach. They want to sing on stage, they should be allowed to sing on stage. They want to get in the choir, they should be allowed to get in the choir. You shouldn't judge anybody. I don't understand why you make a big deal out of standards. Which really, standards are really an outworking of separation. They're part of that. And, and somebody says, well, that's not right. You shouldn't do that. Listen, separation is a good thing, and so are standards. Standards are a good thing. Uh, listen, let me tell you something. If, if we really want to talk about standards, here's the difference between standards. Okay, let me, let me show you what standards do. Just like uh, separation, they insulate us in a sense. Here it is. Watch. Here, let me give you a real good example. Okay, here I am with my standards. I'm, I'm, I'm right here with my standards. I mess up, and I end up, the devil tempts me, and I fall for his trick. And because I'm separated, and because I've put some distance between me and the world, I go to here. I'm still doing okay. I'm not where I was, and I probably need to get back where I was, but hold on. I'm still okay. Watch. Watch. Here's what happens when we throw our standards out the window. Here we are now. We're walking on the edge all the time. Okay, so we're right at the edge of the world. And, well, I, I'm, 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 I'm living under grace. And I, I'm trusting the Lord. And he's taking care of me. And I'm, I'm trusting him. And, and, and I can, I don't have, why, why should I have to live way back here? Why should I put any distinction? Or why should I allow certain amounts of separation? Why should I put any distance between me and the world? Here's why. Because the moment the devil tempts me and I fail to, to, to walk or fly straight, that very moment I take one step the wrong direction, down I go. Down I go. That's the real reason for, for standards in your life. See, and, and again, I know separation standards, it's very hard to separate those, okay? Because before it's over with, we're going to understand how separation and standards go together. But the truth is, is that standards are really born out of a conviction. We find a Bible principle. When we see that Bible principle, then we turn around and we say, well, wait a second. I'm going to go ahead and uh, 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 adopt a conviction as a result of that principle that I found in the Word of God. So I got this principle. Now I have this conviction. And in order to protect my conviction and make sure that I don't lose my convictions, I put a standard in place. It's a protection. And that's basically what, what separation is really all about. God's saying, I don't want you to be like the world. I want you to be distinct. Standards come along to help us to remain distinct. They put us in. Now, now listen, some people's standard may be way far over here. Other people's standards right here. Listen, I'm not going to debate where in the world your standards ought to be, but I'm going to tell you this. If you have no standards at all, then you're going to fall off the cliff just like that. You know, so, so we don't, you know, you do what you do, and I hope that you as a, a, a husband and as a wife and as a mom and a dad, and, 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 and that you make sure that you have certain things in place to protect your children. For instance, uh, you, I don't want to go into all that. Okay, so anyway, we're getting off, top, off, off topic here. Okay, so anyway, Ephesians chapter 2. Notice what it says in verse 3 through 5. Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh... Notice it says, all, all, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, 
But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. Now, what happened was, is notice there's a distinction being made between what we were and what we are. There is a distinction here. I don't make the distinction. I don't determine what that is. God has outlined it. He's the one that tells us this. He says, listen, he says, I want you to know that we all had. That's past tense. Our conversation, our lifestyle, our words in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were, past tense, by nature, the children of wrath, even as others. Because listen, everyone begins on that path. Remember we talked about that broad road? That's that broad road, see? But then he says, but God, who's rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, thank God for his love, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. He's made us alive unto the Lord, unto Christ himself. Now listen, the act of salvation in and of itself immediately separates us from the world and unto Christ. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There's a distinction. There's a separation. And separation is a natural outworking of salvation. And it is an outworking that should continue throughout our lifetime as we grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, separation is nothing new. It's been taking place ever since people have been being saved. I mean, it is an immediate change that takes place. I go from being in the world to being in Christ. From being in the world to being in Christ. There is a distinction and a separation that takes place. I'm no longer in the world, but now I'm in Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful thing. You say, boy, I don't know, man. I got saved and nothing changed. My friend, I'm going to ask you, are you still in the world then? Because listen, salvation is more than just a prayer. Salvation is called regeneration. Something transpires. Something takes place in our heart. Listen, I'm all for people saying, Lord Jesus, save me. I'm all for people saying, I'm a sinner. Come save me. I'm all for that. But let me tell you, if you're not supernaturally transformed and changed, then you are no more saved than the man on the moon. And someone says, what are you preaching here? Are you preaching works? No, I'm preaching salvation. Because it's by grace through faith. It's a supernatural work of God in your life and in mine. I surrender my will to his will. I I cry out to God and beg his mercy and receive him into my life as Savior and Lord. And he promises then to do a, a regenerating work in my life. To make me a new creature in him. I go from being in the world to being in Christ Jesus. Hey, listen, that's a separation right there. That's huge. Again, separation's nothing new then. As a matter of fact, it's been a part of God's plan for his people since the beginning of time, as we know it. In creation, even, God divided light and darkness. What that means is he separated them. He made a distinction Turn to Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. If you're a child of God today, you are, you are, whether you understand this or not, different than the world. Because you're no longer in the world. 
in a sense, now, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, because I know we're going to get to chapter 17, and everybody's going to say, well, it just said right there, we're in the world, but not of it, and all that. Yeah, I get it. But one of my point is that you are no longer in the world in the sense that you were. And I mean to tell you, you are not bound by the flesh any longer. You are not controlled by the flesh any longer. The only control that you, the flesh has over you is that which you give it. And that's true in my life, too. That's why we have to be honest about our, about our situation. It's funny how we like to blame other people or, or, or even God sometimes for the mess we're in. But the truth is, is that each and every one of us have the ability in Christ Jesus to overcome sin in our life. And if we don't, it's not God's fault, it's ours. Read chapter 6 of Romans sometime. It's a tremendous passage concerning this issue. Genesis 1, 3 through 5. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God, watch this, divided the light from the darkness. That sounds like separation. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. See, right from the very beginning of time as we understand it. And by the way, let me say this, that God did create. It wasn't a big bang. That indeed God spoke and he spoke it into existence. And to this day, this truth that we're reading right here in Genesis 1, 3 through 5 plays a very significant role even in separation as we understand it today. You say, well, what do you mean? How's that possible? Well, look at John chapter 3, verse 18. God makes this point back in Genesis chapter 1 at the beginning of time. And he says, listen, let there be light and there was light. Ultimately, he says that he saw that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. Why is that so important for us to see? Oh, by the way, it's so important too for us because it's way back there. I mean, it's way back there at the beginning of time. And listen, the law of first mention is important. When you see something in the Bible mentioned for the first time, it sets a precedent for the way it's going to be used throughout the scriptures. And notice how it's being used now in John chapter 3, verse 18. The Bible says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why is that the case? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world. Does anybody know who the light of the world was and is? It was Jesus Christ. And then he says, when I leave, guess what you get to carry on? Your light in the world. You're the light in the world. So he says here, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world. And men love what? Men love what? Darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. Do you see how he's now associating and he's tying certain behavioral things together? He's like, wait a second now. Oh, I, I see how it is. Light, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Now, we know that he's perfect and sinless and, and he's good and godly and all of those things. But then again, men love darkness rather than light because why? Their deeds were evil. So we could start to say, well, if, if darkness represents evil deeds then and light represents holiness and righteousness and, 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 and darkness represents sin and and and. Light represents, you get where we're going now? For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. See, again, now we're seeing this aspect of separation. 
all the way back in Genesis, and now it's coming all the way to John chapter 3. And we're seeing how light and darkness, there's a distinction between the two. And in the Word of God, God makes even a greater distinction. He's saying, listen, that darkness represents evil deeds, and that light represents good deeds and godly things. There it is. Distinction, separation again. And the fact is, is that we know that early on, before we ever knew the Lord, according to the passages we read earlier, that we were over here in darkness. But now because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are walking in the light as he is in the light. See, there's a separation that took place the moment you trusted and received Christ. See, 6,000 years ago, a tree was placed in the midst of the garden. It's interesting how that tree was distinct from among all the other trees. It was separated from all the other trees. Genesis chapter 2. Let's look back there. God is in the business of distinction, separation. It's throughout his word, and it's in the word. It's, it's not only in the word, but it's in the world in which we live now, because God's made it so a part of our lives as believers even. Notice what he says here in Genesis two sixteen and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. God says, Listen, I've got a tree for you right here. It's distinct and it's different than every other tree in the garden. You, you eat of that tree, you're going to die. Now, you're welcome to have every other tree, but that tree. That's distinct. That's different. I've separated that tree from all the others. That's what he did. That's what we see, a separation taking place. See, from the beginning of time, all the way in the Garden of Eden, God has been separating things. This is the way God functions and how he operates. Separation is not a bad thing, it's a God thing. Man and women, a man and woman, there's a distinction made clear and noticeable. You're in Genesis, look at chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Watch now, male and female created he them. God made a distinction. Male and female created he them. Do you know there is a difference between men and women? Now, I know what our culture's teaching, and I know what they're trying to, to share with our young people, and we're trying to wreck and ruin the, the distinction between men and women, but I'm telling you, biblically and scripturally, God drew a line in the sand and said, there is a distinct difference between a man and a woman, and a woman and a man, and that's just the way it is. Now listen, that's God's business. He makes separation. God doesn't want us all to be the same. Let me tell you something. If we were all the same... There'd be nobody here today. Do you know that procreation doesn't take place if there isn't a man and a woman? And listen, we can talk all day long about whether or not we should support the, the, the new movements in our world and the direction that we're going morally and, or should I say, immorally. But let me tell you something. If we continue on that vein of, 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 of philosophy and thought, when it's all said and done, if it truly runs its course, there will be no humanity will be distinct, uh, will be, be extinct, I should say. 
Because if everybody's a lesbian, everybody's a gay, then there's no world. We're dead. None of us even exist. There has to be a man and a woman. And someone says, well, no, that's not true because we have doctors who can artificially inseminate. However, if there was no distinction between men and women, because I'm telling you, whether two men get together or not, they're still both men. And whether two women get together or not, they're still both women. They cannot be men if they're women. And they can't be a woman if they're a man. You say, well, Bruce Jenner did it. No, he didn't. He's still a man. Because if you take Bruce Jenner and you get into his DNA, you'll find he has a chromosome that says he is a man. Now listen, that's God's business. It's not my business. You say, you hate gay people. No, I don't. You're nuts. You don't even know what I believe. So quit labeling me. I'm telling you today, though, that God says there's a distinction between men and women. And we've got to maintain distinction. And in our Christian lives, we're going to realize if we want to be successful in our Christian life, so to speak, or should I say obedient in our Christian life, then we're going to have to maintain an element of separation from the world because we're no longer in the world. We're in Christ Jesus. And not only should that be true at the inside level, it ought to be the case on the outside. Look, if you would, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 13. See, God's all about making distinction and separation. There's going to be a problem that transpires here. There's going to be a sin that takes place, and God is going to mark someone. He's going to make them distinct. He's going to separate them from out from among others. Look at this passage in Genesis 4, verse 13. And Cain said unto the Lord, and, and realize, you, you remember the story, right? Uh, the, no, take that back. It wasn't a story. It's an account. But you remember how Adam and Eve had two children, Cain and Abel. And we know how that ended up. We know that Cain ultimately murdered his brother, Abel. Now God is going to address Cain. And matter of fact, he's going to do something by means by which to punish or to identify him or to mark him in order to separate him from others. Watch. Cain says unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Because thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from, the face, from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Now let, listen, you, you say whatever you want, but that mark saved his life. Someone says, well, what's the mark? I don't know. We could debate that forever. But what I'm going to say is this. That mark is what kept him alive. They walked along and said, oh, that's, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's got that. No, that's, don't touch him. Now, listen, I'm telling you that God has been in the separation business for a while. In this case, Cain was separated because of his sin. May I say that sin will separate you too. It'll cause problems in your life. But listen, we're to be separate from sin. But again, the whole principle is that God's in the separating business. God's in the distinction business. Animals. Think about those animals that were taken into the ark. They were separated. You say, how were they separated? Well, Genesis 7, 2. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female. And of the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. God is separating the clean and the unclean now. There's a separation. A distinction. 
between the clean and the unclean, between the ones that will be sacrificed along the journey and those that are not in no need of sacrificing. That's why seven went on, verses two, because they would be sacrificed and there had to be at least two left at the end. Oh, by the way, there had to be at least two left, a male and his female. See, God's making distinctions after the flood. We think about what transpired. Well, it's interesting. Turn to Genesis 11, verses 7 through 8. He's going to make another distinction. He's going to separate the people on the earth. See, separation isn't always a bad thing. You say, well, it's a bad thing because at one point the earth was so unified and it was so wonderful. We can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 6 to find out how that turned out. But now we're in chapter 11 of Genesis, and we're at a tower called Babel. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. What is that going to create? Separation. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in foreign countries. And then it's a bummer when you're in a foreign country. You ever been there? And all of a sudden you're out, on the, 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 you know, out there on the, uh, in the market or you're on the streets and you can't find where you're going and you're trying to talk to people and ask questions. You are, I mean, you are a fish out of water. It's so frustrating. And you know what? You know what happens? Find somebody. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they even act like. Find anybody that speaks your language and you're like immediately drawn to them. Because at least now you can communicate with someone. There's just something about that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a normal response for humans. And in this time, chapter 11 of Genesis, everyone was speaking the same language, obviously. They were all going the same direction. The problem was they weren't going in the direction God would have them go. They were trying to do things without God and do it by their own, in their own, by their own means, in their own effort, in their own ability. And God said, listen, it's time we bring some separation here because if we leave them together, they're just going to continue to feed on one another, devour one another, and ultimately destroy one another. They're never going to find me. And so he separates them out. A separation. He called out a people down the road too. Think about the children of Israel. He calls a nation out. They were distinguished, excuse me, distinct and different. And how were they made distinct, the children of Israel? By circumcision. They're totally different. They're distinct. God's always separating people. In this case, he separates a people and makes them a nation that is separated unto him. It's funny when God starts requiring lambs and sacrifices. Do you know that he would not permit a lamb that had a blemish to be sacrificed? He made a distinction between a lamb that had a blemish and a lamb that did not. And he said, you cannot sacrifice that one that has a blemish. Why would he say that in the Old Testament? I mean, that poor little lamb grew up all those years to try to be sacrificed, right? Of course not. He was doing the wanton lamb a favor, probably. I'm joking about that, but you're not getting it. But nonetheless, the fact is, is that that little lamb there, you have a perfect little lamb, you got one that's got a blemish on it. Hey, wait a second. You ever think that maybe he's trying to help us understand a little bit more about the Lamb of God, which would take away the sin of the world. Every time a lamb was sacrificed in that Old Testament, it pointed to Jesus Christ. 
Now they didn't, well, I'm not going there. Exodus chapter 12, verse 5 says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep and from the goats. A distinction, a separation. Separate that one, not that one, not separate that. God's about separating. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just a God thing. It's the way he works and the way he functions. The law of God made provision for many distinction and visible separation. As we go through the law, Deuteronomy 22, 9 through 11. Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seeds, lest the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. Thou shalt not wear a garment of diverse sorts, as of woolen and linen together. God is saying, listen, I'm about separation. I'm about distinction. That's important to me, he's saying. While on earth, Jesus made the distinction between the devil's children and God's. You say he did? Yeah, John chapter 8, verse 44. He says, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. He's making a distinction. He's saying there are those that are still children of the God of this world, the devil. And there are others that have been taken out and placed into my family. A distinction, a separation. So throughout history, God has always desired distinction between the clean, the unclean, the good and the evil, the right and the wrong. He's demanded that his children remain distinct and different from those in the world, whether it's in the Old Testament, whether it's the New Testament. Separation is not a new thing. It's not a Baptist thing. It's not a denominational thing. It's a God thing, a Bible thing. So the principle, now we've gotten through the introduction, and we're, we're done, we're out of time pretty much. I don't have time to do this. So it's a God thing. You guys got to put up with Brother Kavanaugh preaching here in the next few minutes. Whew, that was going to be a rough one. That'll be extremely distinct and different. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. By the way, probably Brother Kavanaugh's lesson at the Go Rally yesterday was probably about, it's the best lesson I think I've ever heard him give at a Go Rally. It's as good a message I've ever, I mean, it was really spot on. It was awesome. I mean, really good. Not just for a Go Rally. It was that good. If I was him, I'd add about 10 or 15 minutes to it and preach it around the country if I got a chance. Uh, I would, 25-minute message, and he'll be asked to come back. (laughs) Anything more than that, they don't want you anymore, right? That's a really long preacher. He's long-winded right there. 25-minute preachers will get asked or invited back. Brother Dave Herman, make sure you remember that, and uh, you'll be fine, okay? Separation. So we've kind of covered this issue of separation just from a foundational standpoint, that God, in the Word of God, throughout, whether it was the Old Testament, the New Testament, whether it was Christ himself while on the earth, whether it was in the Garden of Eden, whether it was even in creation itself, There is an element of separation. This is God's way. And so separation is not bad. It's it's the way God's been doing things. And I think it's our view of what separation is. We've got our own definition of what it means. And somebody says, well, I grew up in a home where, man, our parents were so strict there. Listen, that's not necessarily biblical separation. 
I'm telling you, there may have been abuse there. I don't know what it was. I don't know. Maybe they went overboard. I, I can't say I wasn't there, but I can tell you this, that God's ways are always the best ways. We can't just throw separation out the window and act like we shouldn't be distinct at all or different in any way when throughout the Word of God, He makes it clear that we ought to be. Now, we'll be a little more specific on what that means as we move forward in our study, but for now, let's just embrace the thought of separation. We need to get back to it. It's important. It's so important in our lives because it's something God thinks is important. If it's that important to God to include throughout the Word of God, then it ought to be something important enough for us to include in our lives. Now, are you distinctly His tonight? Distinctly His. That's important as we close this down. I mean, have you come from out of this world by faith in Christ Jesus and placed into the family of God? In Christ Jesus. If you say, I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. I can't say for sure that I've been removed out of this world of darkness and placed into this world of light, so to speak. I don't know that I've been taken out of that and placed into Jesus. You can settle that today. You can become one of his children once and for all. You can settle that tonight. And as a child of God, maybe even before we even get into the details... Maybe there's areas of your life that you know probably people wouldn't say, wow, that's, he talks like a little Christ. She, she acts like a little Christ. She looks like, he looks like. They, 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 if I didn't know any better, I could, I think, I, did I just see Jesus? Maybe there's areas in our lives that no one could say that about. And maybe that's an area we just need to come to the altar today and say, Lord, I've let that area of my life really slip, and I've got to be honest. If the preacher would talk to my kids even in private and ask them specific questions, they'd have to say, Daddy, don't act much like a Christian. Mama, don't act much like a Christian in that area. Well, they're, they're good folks still, and they go to church, and I think they still read their Bible and pray. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure, but, boy, that's an area that, ooh, that doesn't look much like Jesus, sound much like Jesus. Maybe we ought to take care of that tonight. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we've had to gather tonight. Just bless us and encourage us and help us. Uh, Lord, we know that we're just mere flesh. We're humans. But thank you.